What up, Night Church Night One? Thank you, Stephen. You're awesome. Listen, Stephen is the man. I don't even have words for Stephen Gibbs. He's, he's the best. But, man, I am excited about Night Church. Like, I don't know if you saw me this morning, but I'm ready for some dang Night Church. I believe that God has some things planned for Night Church. And I'm going to say Night Church a lot. So just so you know where you are, just so you know what's happening this week, it's Night Church. Can everybody just say Night Church with me? One, two, three. Night Church. Right. So we are at... Where we at? Night Church. And I'm really pumped about it. Now, I believe that God is going to do something crazy over the next um, seven days. And I'm not even going to, before I even get into uh, how Jesus is the door, as you can probably tell, we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a second. But before we even do, can we just talk about how expectant we need to be for what Jesus is about to do in this place. See, like, man, it's night one. There's people here. Come on. Like, let's go. Give yourselves a hand for showing up. But listen, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning, and like I, I believe that by Sunday, by Good Friday, this Friday night, like this is going to be way more packed. Why? Because I believe that each of us is going to keep coming back, and each of us is going to keep inviting lost people to come and experience the goodness and, and the magnitude of our God, right? And because in that, in the name of Jesus, only in the name of Jesus does life happen. Only in the name of Jesus are we, we going to see revival break out. Only in the name of Jesus are we going to see an awakening in this city, in your family, in your workplace, only in the name of Jesus can that happen. And so why do we do night church? We do night church because we believe, like Stephen talked about, that the disciples met day by day by day. And guess what happened? Every single day, God added day by day the number of people who were saved. Not the number of people who just came to church. The number of people who were saved. And we believe that that's going to be the same reality here at Stone Creek, but it, it takes your invitation. Right, it takes you being bold and believing that the good news of the gospel is big enough for you to get uncomfortable. The good news of the gospel is big enough for you to go knock on that neighbor's door you've never met and say, hey, come with me tonight, 6.30, because God's got something for you. See, if you're new to church, I promise you, lean in. Jesus has something for you tonight. And if you've been coming to church for years, promise you, lean in. Jesus has something for you tonight. Night church is for you. Why? Because God is so for you. And Jesus is so for you. And he died for you no matter where you are. I'm just going to tell you the gospel straight up the top so you know where we're going tonight, okay? Jesus loves you and he died for you. And this is for you. Man, I I believe we're going to have a celebration tonight. I believe we're going to have a celebration this week. And I believe that this Easter, next Sunday morning, is going to be like, unlike any Easter we've ever experienced before, not because of anything we do different on the stage, but because of how it's going to look different out there. Amen? Come on, we're going to pray. We're going to pray and just invite the Spirit into this moment um, because I believe that through Him, we're going to see some things change um, tonight. And Jesus, we just love you. Lord, I'm so grateful for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be in this moment. Lord, I pray that you would rain down and just speak like you've never spoke to our people before. Lord, I pray that you would just use me tonight as a vessel. Lord, for your word and for your truth. And there's, if there's anything that I'm about to say that isn't from you, Lord, I pray that you just throw it away, get it out of my mind, and replace it with what you need me to talk about tonight. Lord, I pray, um, man, if there's people, if there's somebody in this room tonight that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would just, man, open up their hands for the next few moments. Man, open up their hearts for the next few moments and ask the question, Jesus, do you have something for me tonight? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just move and show them that you do. We love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Awesome. And let me start out by asking you guys this question tonight. How many of you guys grew up like a little mischievous? Like show of hands. I need to see some hands. I need to see where my people are at. Okay, cool. 
How many of y'all grew up like those goody two-shoes, follow the rules all the time? Cool. I'm glad to know there's more mischievous people in this room than there are goody two-shoes. Listen, how how I was, I was definitely grew up a little mischievous. I like to get into a little uh, trouble, like the thought of trouble, like thrilled me, okay? Not the thought of getting caught, the thought of doing something that I was like, yeah, I could get caught, but I'm not going to because not only was I mischievous, but I was smart, okay? Any mischievous and smart people in the room tonight, can I see a show of hands? That's what I like to see. You're my people. Let's plan something crazy, okay? Listen, this is definitely me. I'm not ashamed of it at all. And one of the main ways that I would get my thrills when I was growing up was by doing um, a scheme, running a play I like to call Ding Dong Ditching, okay? Y'all, any, any, y'all, anybody show of hands Ding Dong Ditch before? Cool. So some of you did. Some of you lived that life um, that I did. Tried to just get that little rush of adrenaline. Some of you were like, I don't know what that is. So let me explain. This is how Ding Dong Ditching worked for the goody two-shoes in the room. You would... You go over to your, your friend's house in their neighborhood. This is a very important detail. Notice I said their neighborhood, not your neighborhood. This is why. Because if in the off chance you get caught, guess who they call? Their parents, not yours, right? Smart and mischievous, okay? So you go to their neighborhood, and this is what happened. Then you, you, you don't go knock on the next door neighbor's doors, right? No. You go to the other side of the neighborhood, go through some trees so they can't, like, scout where you came from, and then you knock on their door. And this is how it works. You're, usually it's a group of people. For me, it was a group of my friends usually, we go out late at night. For us, it was like 9 p.m. and we're like, oh, it's so late. It's going to be awesome, <laughs> right? So we go out late. No one's awake at this time. And so we go out. We go over to our neighbor's, their neighbor's house, not ours, theirs, their neighbor's house. And, uh, and this is how it works. When you get over to the house, uh, people would just hide in bushes. Okay, so you hide in bushes, you hide behind cars, you hide behind trees thinking that they can't see you. And they're like, there's always that kid that's a little overweight and he hides behind the tree. You're like, oh, I can see you, right? But he's like, yeah, but you know, he's sitting there. And, and you, go, you go there and then you, then you dedicate the one person who's going to be the brave, courageous soul to go knock on the door. Okay, and uh, here's it, this. This person is one of two people. It's either the really fast kid in the group, or it's the kid that everybody hates and they hope he gets caught. Right, and so the, the kid is nominated, dedicated to go up to knock on the door. Uh, this was never me because I wasn't fast, and I people liked me. Hopefully, um, listen, I, I, was, I was chubby at that point, so I was I was up at the door. Uh, not me. They were up at the door, and they they, they knock on the door. And then what happens? They kind of get ready, right? And like, you start like this. If this is a door, you start like this. You don't start, you know, like a casual, start, ready? And just like, boom, 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 and just, hey, take off, right? You go and just dive into a bush, dive behind a car, sprint into the woods, or if if you're the fast kid, you're just sprinting home because you're like, they ain't catching me anyways, and you're out, right? You knock on the door, you ring the doorbell, you bang on it, and you expect no one to come answer, right? Or you expect somebody to come and like not know who you are, but then they would open the door, and they'd see you running away, or they'd see the fat kid behind the tree, and they'd be like, all right, I'm calling your parents, and then you have that conversation, right? But this is what happened so often when we wanted to get mischievous. When, when, when we were little, we wanted to get this thrill when we were little as we go up to doors, and we would just knock and knock and knock and be like, hey, anybody home? But then we would run away and hide. And as I thought thought about how Jesus is the door, which we'll get into in a second, isn't it true that so often as, as, as Christians, as people, as followers of Jesus, we run up to the door and we knock and we knock, but when we get, just start running and we just start hiding. 
Isn't it so often that we say, okay, the door is appealing. There's something about the door. I want to get close to the door, right? I, I want to get close enough where I can like touch the door. I want to get close enough where I can have this moment where like the door is part of my story now. But right as I start knocking, I get a little nervous and I'm going to run and I'm going to hide. Isn't it, isn't it funny how sometimes we're that person who goes up to the door but, but other times, we're that person that's just hiding in the bush. And we never went up to the door. No, no, no. We got to where we could see the door, but whoever was behind the door, we didn't want them to see us. We're not, we're not in the right shape for them to see us. We're not in the right shape for, for, for me to be able to like choose to run in or run away. See, some of us, we're like those kids that just sat in the bush. And because we're curious what would happen if, so if I went and knocked on the door. But I didn't feel like I was the person to do it. I didn't feel like I was the person to go up to the door and, 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 and knock and be a part of that moment to get close enough to where someone could see me. No, 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 I'm, I'm just going to watch from a distance and see how my friend's life was changed by being close to the door. Some of us, that's, that's us tonight. No, we're, we're still hiding in the bush. But we're still hiding in the bush and we're, we're curious. No, we've seen our, live, our friends' lives just change but from being close to the presence of God, from being in, close to devotion with Jesus. And we watch how their life has begun to change. And we're like, what happened? That's not the same person. Why is that not happening to me? But maybe it's because you're still at a distance. Maybe it's because you're still in hiding tonight. Maybe it's because you've not gotten close enough. I mean, there's some of us who knock. We're not, we're not afraid to get close, but we're afraid to stay. And we're not afraid to get close to the door and start knocking and wondering what could happen if we came to church on a regular basis. What could happen if we got plugged into a small group? What could happen if we actually read our Bible and we prayed, like, could our lives tr actually transform them? We have the thought, man, we, we love the thought of Jesus. We love the thought of being a Christian. Like, we love the thought of having friends who are believers and have good morals. But, man, to dive in, to change our schedules, to change our lives, ugh, I don't know. So we'll get close, but right when the door starts to open, we sprint because we're afraid of what would actually happen if we stayed. And tonight I want to talk to you about what is our approach when it comes to the door? What is the door? Who is the door? And how should the door change the way we live? See, I believe that all three of us are, all three of those things are in this room tonight. We have people who, uh, I mean, are hiding we have people who are stuck in the bush and they, they don't know. You, you felt distant from God, but you're curious still. You haven't started running. You're still there just, just looking to see what could be available. And you're, you're here tonight and you're wondering, Ugh, what does that mean? What does it mean to get out of the, like get closer? And I know there's some people in the room tonight I mean, who've gotten really close to fully diving in. I mean, you're on the verge. I mean, you would say you are a Christian, you follow Jesus, but when it comes to your life outside of church, it might just look a little bit different. And maybe, just maybe tonight, instead of running away, you could lean in. Maybe, just maybe tonight, instead of wondering what was there, you could stay and find out. And there's some of us who, have just, who just have no, con who have no, um, we have no idea of what following Jesus looks like. We're not, we haven't been interested in the past. We're the kid that kind of hides behind the car because they think they want to be there. They think they're too cool to like get in actually too close. Here's what I want to say. 
man, if that's you, any of those, night church is for you. I mean, if that's you, any of those groups of people, I mean, Jesus is for you. If that's you, any of the groups of people, I promise you, the gospel, it is for you. And every word I'm about to say tonight that comes from the word of God is written for you. Whether you're far off or whether you're close enough to hear his voice, it is for you because Jesus is for you no matter what life circumstance you are in. I mean, like I said, this week's going to be a monumental week for our church. I'm going to say it again. Night church! Man, here's what I want for you to know. Night church is, is for all people, like I just talked about. Man, it's for the person who's doubting. It's for the person who's near. It's for the person who's running. It's for the person who's hiding. It's for the person that's broken. It's for the person who's healed. It's for the person who wants to rejoice and the person who wants to cry. It's for the person who needs to be on their knees in prayer and for the person who's going to jump during worship. It's for the person who's always sat there like this in worship. Yes, that's a lot of you. Get, get with it. And it's, and it's the person who's like raises their hand and gets after it, right? It is all for you because Jesus... Man, I promise you, if you are bold enough to get in the presence of the Lord tonight, he's going to speak to you. Night Church is for you because our goal here is to elevate the name of Jesus by learning what full devotion to him looks like. We want to awaken what's fallen asleep and what has never found life this week. And, and awakening comes through one name alone, doesn't it? And his name is Jesus. See, Jesus has many names. And throughout Scripture, I mean, when we just sang that song, Walls, we talked about some of those names and the bridge of that song. And he's our Prince of Peace. He is our wonderful Counselor. He is Alpha. He is Omega, right? He has names all throughout Scripture. But like Stephen said, he, um, and throughout the book of John, he has these seven statements, these seven moments where he says who he is. We call them the I Am statements of Jesus. Like Stephen referred to, man, to say I am blank, the seven times he says it is this bold move. Okay, people didn't like it. Because what he's saying, he's not just saying I am human, he's saying I am God. He's not just saying, hey, I am here temporarily. He's saying, hey, through me, I'm going to be here eternally. Right, he's not, just, he's not just getting close and saying, oh yeah, I'm here for a good time and to teach you how to be a good person. No, he's saying, hey, I am here to transform you from the inside out and for you to look different. And there's these seven I am statements and the magnitude of what these are changed the early church and they should change our church today. And that's why we're going through them because we believe that if you could fully understand, fully comprehend, fully grasp who Jesus says in these seven statements, your life will never look the same. Your marriage will never look the same. Your family will look the, never look the same. Your influence will never look the same. And Stone Creek Church will never look the same again because we will know the real Jesus, right? Come on. See, I believe that that's what's going to happen this week. I believe that as we continue to show up, Jesus is going to continue to move. And so tonight we're going to dive into the first one of these statements, and I'm pumped about it, guys. I'm, like, ready. I'm amped, if you can't tell. And uh, we're going to be in the book of John, uh, John chapter 10, and this is what it says in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and for they know his voice. A stranger will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying 
to them. See, there's a lot of like language being used here. You probably just read that. Let's be honest. None of you really understood it. It's okay, right? I didn't either at first. And he explains it in a second. But before he does, I want to hone in on a couple of things that I think are really important because Jesus is going to reiterate these words. And I think we need to have an understanding of what these words are because I think they're really important for where we're going tonight. See, in this in this moment, Jesus is talking to a group of people who have been wronged by these leaders named the Pharisees. Okay, maybe you've heard this word Pharisees before, but the Pharisees were these Jewish religious leaders of the time, and they were doing everything they could to lead these people to, to different doors that they thought that they thought would be life, but away from the one door in Jesus that was life. See, they, Jesus refers to these Pharisees as thieves and robbers. Thieves. And robbers, and this is really important uh, a thing for us to realize because of what Jesus says with it next. So they don't lead the sheep to their true home; they're thieves and robbers. And the sheep um, are the people that are searching to get back home, searching to rediscover their purpose and their life. These are the sheep. We are the sheep tonight. See, the sheep are helpless and need someone to bridge them to their home. The sheep are helpless in search of someone to bridge them to their home. And no matter where you are, no matter who you are in that scenario, you're helpless. I'm helpless. Stephen is helpless. We are helpless because we can't do it alone. We can't bridge the gap to our true home without the person of Jesus. But before you can understand what that bridge looks like, before you can understand how to get that life, you need to understand that you're helpless. See, I want for you to know that if you don't admit your need for help, you're going to stay helpless. If you don't admit your need for help tonight, maybe that's your step. You're going to stay helpless. Before we even get into who or what the door is, I think it's really important to realize that there are thieves and there are robbers in each of our lives. Can we agree that there are moments and circumstances in our lives that are looking for ways to find purpose in life But instead of finding that life, we end up being more drained and hopeless. And we're like, whoa, that was, what what just happened? That was supposed to be a door that I ran to, that I walked through. And that promotion was supposed to give me more life. Why am I still here? Why do I feel more drained than ever? Uh, Man, I got, I started dating this person. Like that's supposed to give me more joy than ever. But why do I still feel so empty like, oh, I got, I got a raise. Like, I'm supposed to feel awesome, but now I, I, I don't. I bought that new thing that I've been saving up for, but I still feel like I, I'm, I'm empty. Like, why is that? Why do we have these moments where we pursue these things and end up feeling hopeless? See, Jesus is saying that there are people and things who are acting like they are doors that you're meant to be, walk through to be filled with life. But in reality, they are thieves because they steal your purpose. And they are robbers because they rob your life. And that's what I want for us to dive into tonight. So what's the answer? Like what door are they trying to make us avoid? The Pharisees were thieves and robbers because they were intentionally trying to lead people to all of these other doors. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, stop listening to these other places and listen to me for just one second. Let me tell you about the real door, verses 7 through 10. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't miss this. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, all others claiming to be the door are thieves and robbers. And their goal in your life is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Not to help, not to give you comfort, and not to grow you. No, 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 to kill, to steal, and destroy. But the reality is, is at face value, they look very appealing. Right? I'm guilty of this all the time. There are doors in my life that look super appealing. I'm like, this is probably just a blessing from God. This is going to be awesome, and I'm going to run into this. And all of a sudden, I just run into a wall because the door doesn't open. See, my friend Thomas, those of you who know Thomas Cheeseman, uh, he is lactose intolerant. Right? Uh, he will never admit it to you probably I don't know why he's, like, prideful about not telling you he is, but I lived with him for years. I can tell you he is. <laughs> Thomas is lactose intolerant, but he loves Chick-fil-A milkshakes. There's this, this issue, right? And so we would go to Chick-fil-A, late night runs, and we'd go to get milkshakes. I'm like, Thomas, bro, do not order a milkshake. Like, just, just don't do it. Get a Dr. Pepper. I don't know. Don't get a milk. Don't, just don't do it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up to the milkshake. Yeah, I'll have a large uh, cookies and cream milkshake. I live with you. Stop. You know, like, he keeps going and going. See, Thomas, Thomas knew the dangers of the milkshake. But, he, but it was so appealing that he continued to run to it. Right? And there's things in our lives that, man, we know the dangers of walking through that door. We know the dangers of running up and continuing to try to find life in that place. But, man, it's appealing. And man, maybe it fulfills us in some small way that we, we mistake for the fulfillment that is life, but really it's just fulfilling us until we have the urge to fill it again and fill it again. And it's this never-ending cycle of running on empty and then full and empty and full. Can I tell you that there is a God tonight? And his name is Jesus. He wants to fill you and, not, and you will never just go, oh, I'm empty. You got to find fulfillment again. No, no. You'll be full and then overflow and then full and then overflow and then full and then overflow because that is who your God is and his name is Jesus. But we run to these doors. See, false doors look appealing, but they're life-draining, not life-giving. These false doors, they look appealing, but they drain us of life instead of give us life. And so I want to ask tonight, like, what false doors are you running through? What false doors are you running through tonight? And maybe for you, your false door is the door of addiction. Maybe it's this door of addiction, it fell. <laughs> maybe it's this door of addiction. And you're like stuck in this door and you're like, oh, I'm going to keep running back to this thing, this substance, this website, whatever it is, this addiction, because, man, it fills me for that moment. It fills me for that second and I find life. I get it's like bad for in the long term, but in the short term, it is great for me. Man, it's getting me friends. I have community. This addiction, I don't even like to call it that because it's better for my, but we run there. And it's this false door that looks appealing, but it's not sustaining. Maybe there's a deeper one for you. Maybe for you the door is suicide. And it's not this appealing door. It's this door you want to walk away from. But in your mind, there's this thought. And you sit there and you're like, is my life worth living? No, 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 I'm just a burden. I'm just a burden to people. It would be better for me to not be here. In my career, I've heard this, these lines over and over again. 
And can I tell you, can I tell you tonight that a man came down as God incarnate for you to die because your life is that worth living. And if you would just I mean, step away from the loudness that is the door of suicide. I mean, you would grab a counselor, you would, you would grab some, uh, some accountability and say, hey, help me turn around and look at another door. I would promise you there is a door of life that is waiting for you right now and for eternity. It's not suicide. It's not suicide. Maybe for you tonight, the door is other religions. Can I tell you that there's only one God and there's only one way to him and his name is Jesus? Can I tell you that there's no other religion that's going to suffice, that's going to satisfy your soul? And here's, here's my only example I think I need tonight. Every other religion, you need to do something good to get to God. Can I tell you that tonight Jesus did something by dying on a cross for, to save you from that? It's not through good works. It's through faith. And we're the only faith that does that because God loves you that much. There's nothing you can do. Like I said, you are helpless. But the good news is, is you don't have to be condemned from that like other religions want to do to you. You, want to be, you can be saved in that because Jesus came and died for you tonight. Maybe you're running towards the door of false religions. I can tell you tonight there's only one, and his name is Jesus. Man, maybe you run into friendships. You're like, Sean, friendships? Friendships are good. You want me to be lonely? No, I don't. What I want is for, for us to not run to friendships as the answer. I mean, sometimes, so often, when we go through something bad, who's, what, what do we do first? Pick up our phone. Hey, call this person. Hey, I'm going through this. This is really tough. Uh, help, me, help me figure out what to do. Or what, what do we do? We, hey, can you come over? I just need someone to be with. Man, can I, can I tell you, if you would just change that, hey, I'll call that person. Man, man, ask them to come over. But if you would just first seek Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I need you. Be my life. Help guide me. I promise you there'll be a better guide. Hey, can I just sit in your presence? I promise you it's more healing than any words your friend is going to say. Your friends are important, but if it's not first with Jesus, those friends are always going to fall short. And it's not fair to them. It's not fair to you because you have this expectation on them that only God can heal. Right? Maybe for you, it's a door of relationships. You keep running to it. You keep knocking on it. And you're like, hey, please. Anyone home? I'm begging God, knocking. Where you at? Maybe that's you. Or you're like, save my marriage. Help. I'm trying. I don't know what else to say. I've listened. I don't know what else to say. Like I've talked. I've done these like practical applications. Help. But, but if you don't first seek the door, who is the name of Jesus, this is always going to fail. This is always going to fall short. This is never going to be healthy in the way that you need for it to, the way that your soul is longing for it to. And maybe for you it's promiscuity. And lust is something that you hide deep in the crevices of your soul. I mean, you don't want anybody to come in. You don't want to tell anybody because you're like, no, 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 if they knew how long I've been addicted to pornography, they would never look at me the same. But if they knew about that affair that I haven't got caught in, Oof, my life would be in shambles. If they knew about the way that I thought, the thoughts that I had and the things that I looked at that my wife or my husband or my friends have no idea that I struggle with, gosh, would I even look like a Christian? But can I tell you that Jesus has freedom for you tonight?
And Jesus, ha- and Jesus wants to save you from that burden tonight, but it, it comes through repenting. It comes through saying, hey, God, I've messed up, but I know you're good enough to save me. Man, I know I am at my lowest point, but I know you're good enough to reach out, grab my hand, and, and help me heal and learn how to grow. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you keep knocking at that door of promiscuity, and you're like, oh, I need help getting out. I'm going to save this one for last because I want to hone in on that one. Maybe for you it's money. You're like, gosh, if I just get that raise, I'm going to work so hard. Man, I'm going to spend all my hours just making that money, dollar, dollar bills, because if I do, I mean, I'll be happy. I will have comfort. I will have influence. I will have satisfaction. Man, people will know me. They'll be like, oh, that house? Okay, I know. That. That's that guy? You own that house? I mean, you got that car? You got that boat? What? You bought that. What? You have that? And you laugh, but like, don't we all kind of desire that? Especially in our culture right now. Can I tell you that that's never going to, that's, that's always going to fall short. When you wonder why people who have millions and billions of dollars are depressed, it's not because they don't have money, it's because they don't have Jesus. And I promise you that the, the most joyful people we read about in the scripture, they were homeless. They didn't even have a place to lay their head, but yet they had joy because they knew the, the name of joy and his name is Jesus. And maybe for you, it's the American dream. And all of us, and this just got heavy because you're like, oh, don't say it, Sean. Don't talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. It's about a door. We knock. Why? Because we're like, ooh, that next promotion, getting closer to opening that door that I want for my retirement. Ooh, as my 401k, my pension, it just gets better. Just, yeah, the stock market, market is rising. Yeah, 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 I am. Man, I'm close to life. Man, I got that beach house, close to life. I got that lake house, Close to life. I am, oh, I'm so close to retirement. And once retirement begins, man, my life begins. Can I tell you that that is the biggest lie you could ever believe? Not because success is bad, but because success without Jesus. And when you think this is where you find your life, I'm telling you, you're going to fall short. You're going to wonder why you get to the end and you retire and you're like, wow, I have no purpose in life. I left it with my job. And now I'm sitting here and I'm stuck and I'm like, oh, what do I do now? Just walk around. I don't. What buildings? I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to offer you life now in the middle of you working. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to build up for it. You don't have to raise money for it. He's already done it. He's already died. He's already paid the biggest price for you. And that's by dying on the cross for you to experience that life. So we knock and we knock and we knock and we knock. And these doors are always going to stay shut. And we get mad when doors don't open. We get mad when we pray, and we're like, God, why aren't you opening this door? And we, we, we question his goodness instantly, don't we? We question his faithfulness. God, if you're so good, you would open this door, and you'd bless me with money. But if you're so good, you would give me that promotion. But if you're so faithful, like I've been asking for a relationship for so long, you would give it to me. If you're so faithful, I need Christian friends. But can I tell you that maybe if we just shift our perspective a little bit tonight, and we would say, hey, instead of saying, God, if you were good, you would open this door and instead say, hey, God, in your goodness, thank you for not opening this door. Because I know that if you open this door, like you know that this door must lead to death. I mean, if I get money, uh, the door of money opens and I have all this money, but I don't know first the Savior and the King that is Jesus, money's going to turn into an idol and it's going to lead me down a path. 
if I get into a relationship, but I don't first know that Jesus is my king and my only God, that, that person's going to become my God and I'm going to just be left in shambles. Right? Like, uh, we, we, if we would just turn our perspective a little bit and believe God is so good instead of question that he's good, and we would praise him for the closed doors because he, we know that he's going to lead us to the open one, all we have to do is open our hands, open our hearts, open our posture, open our lives, and let him lead us there. See, what if the door of that job was closed because Jesus knew that there was a door that would bring you more life? Like maybe over COVID you lost your job and you're like, God, you're not good. But instead, you could look at it as, hey, God, you closed that door because I know I needed to spend more time with my family, and now we're at a healthier place than we've ever been before. Maybe if that door of relationship won't open because he, doesn't want, he wants to protect you from getting hurt. Maybe what if that door of financial blessing hasn't opened because he doesn't want it to ruin your life? What if Jesus closed the door on friendships you had because he wants to open up the door to life-giving friendships through the name of Jesus in a community of believers? See, church, stop trying to break down closed doors. Let Jesus lead you to the open ones. We need to stop getting in the rhythm of going, hey, open! And instead go, all right, show me where. All right, this isn't it. Cool, what's next, Jesus? Show me. Show me. I'm not, nope, cool, next. Nope, cool, where? You know, like if we would just change our perspective, perspective see these false doors in our lives only want to steal, kill, and destroy. They want to steal your joy. They want to destroy your, your lives and alter your perspective but I'm, what I'm begging for you to know tonight is that Jesus is the only door to life. He is the only door to life. But he doesn't just say life, does he? He says life and a life abundant. And what does abundant life mean? Uh, abundant life is a life that is marked by great plenty. Right? He's not just saying, hey, I'm going to give you life. He's saying, I'm going to give you a life that's marked by great plenty. And do you understand what that means? If you would just stop knocking on doors that aren't Jesus and you would run to him and listen to your, his voice, he would give you and provide you with more than you could ever imagine. See, and maybe tonight you're at a crossroads in life wondering how to unlock joy and peace and purpose and patience and self-control and love and goodness and faithfulness and life. My friend, there is only one answer. The key to the door of eternal life is faith in Jesus. The key to the door to eternal life is faith in Jesus. And for many of us, like this, this, these, this phrase, eternal life, it, it's come to mean like this quantity of life, like how long we'll live, like life into eternity. We don't even really know what like etern eternal life is, right? We're like, okay, cool, I'll live forever, sweet. What do you do? You die and you're like, what, what happens? You just kind of sit there? You're like, okay, cool. Just sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah over and over again for eternity? Like, what do, you, what do you do? No, no, no. I believe that God has something great for you, this abundant life that's different. And it's not just going to start now. It's going to go on for eternity. See, for, for Jesus, it wasn't just a quantity of life and eternal life. Eternal was also the quality of life, and it's abundant life. And listen, this life starts now. It starts today. It starts with faith, and it starts with peace that gets you through a storm, joy that lasts, endurance that helps you battle, faith that changes your family, faithfulness that saves your marriage, patience that brings you confidence and breaks chains of expectation. And to look, un unlock all of these things for your life, all you have to do is believe and you will be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. In John 3, 16 through 17, it's, it, it's, it's said a lot, but man, it will never lose its power. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, not like other religions, not like the fake religions, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
In Romans 10, 9, right after it says, how do we access this? What's the key? Well, if you would just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll have life, abundant life. The door opens up to you. See, faith in Jesus is the key to the door. There's no reason to hide anymore. There's no reason to run anymore. There's no reason to knock and be afraid of what's on the other side. There's no reason to strive for lifeless things anymore. There's no need to keep knocking on false doors. See, Jesus, the door, the Savior, just like he calls his sheep, like he talks about, is calling you by name tonight. Not just calling you, hey, church. No, he's saying, hey, Adam, whatever your name is, come here. Hey, Lindley, come here. Hey, Stephen, Ron, Jeremy, like, come here. Chris, hey, come here. Come to me. The door is for you. He's calling you to freedom. But maybe you've never heard his voice yet. And can I ask, could it be that if you would just stop yelling at him to open up doors that he's trying to keep closed and would just say, okay, God, I'm stepping away and opening my hands, maybe you would hear him calling you to doors that are already open, doors that lead to life. And you would hear his voice. Can I tell you what he's saying to you tonight? He's saying, I, I am the door. And I want to give you life. Real life. Not temporary life. Abundant life. Not life that needs refilling. Abundant life. Come to me. The door is open. All you have to do is enter in. Can we pray together? Jesus. I'm so grateful for you. But I'm so grateful that you came. God, that you came from your divinity, from your kingdom, and you came and dwelled bodily with us through the person and the man of Jesus. Jesus, I'm grateful that you are the door. Lord, I'm sorry for all the times I've run to false doors and to fake doors and knocked and yelled and cried at and, and the foot of them begging and wondering why you're not opening them. Jesus, I know that you're life. And I pray that in my life, you would show me how to run to your door that is life more. And I pray that for each person in these seats tonight, that they wouldn't keep running to false doors, that they would see that there is a real life, an abundant life that comes in you and your name alone. I pray that it would lead to worship. Jesus, I pray for night church. And I pray that you just move in this space. In this next song, it would be like they've never heard a worship song before in their lives. Lord, I pray that there would be repentance tonight. I pray that there would be salvation tonight. I pray that there would be baptisms this week. Lord, I pray that you would move and day by day, we would see this church go crazy because of our devotion to you. And I mean, if there's anyone in this room tonight, I just want to ask, with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, maybe that's you. Maybe you're the one who's been hiding in the bushes. And maybe, just maybe, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've wondered. And you kept trying those fake doors and they've left you, but nowhere but hopeless. That's why you're here tonight. And maybe tonight's the night. Because the door is for you. Jesus is for you. Life is for you. And all it takes is praying and inviting him into your life. So if that's you, would you do that with me right now? Jesus I love you. 
but I'm sorry for running. I'm sorry for hiding. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you have life for me and that you've chosen me to do life with you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are the door. And I believe that through you, I can have life and life abundant. If that's you, I want to take a bold step tonight. I mean, we're going to do some bold things in night, church, because we believe that only in boldness are we going to see the church grow to where God is calling it. And so, I mean, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I want for you to raise your hand on the count of three. So not just so we can take tallies, but so we can celebrate and join with heaven the celebration that is you turning away from your false doors and finding life. So if that's you on the count of three, I want, to raise, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Jesus, we love you, but we're so grateful for you. Move in this place. Do something we don't expect. Show us you're real tonight. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.